Well, thanks so much for joining us on another lovely Sunday. Uh, Dan and I have been working hard to try and get the audio quality back under control. The past couple episodes were rough. We're hoping that we at least sound similar this time. So I know last week it sounded like I was at the bottom of a well. I'm sure that was nice to listen to for a lot of you who hear me too much. Um, but for consistency's sake, we do want to try and be as, you know, uh, even as possible. So we're hoping, hoping, huge asterisk, that this week sounds a little better. Because uh, this should be a good episode. We've got a lot that we want to dive into. There's a lot of news we want to go over, a lot of interesting things happening in the world of cycling. Had a big race yesterday, Dan. Uh, yeah, a couple Nike races yesterday. A couple so, Nike yeah. races yesterday. Want to follow up on last week. Um, before anything else, though, um, some of you may know uh, one of the one of the founding writers, of, one of the original Maybird writers, a close friend of mine, uh, Dylan Willick, was involved in a really bad climbing accident this last week. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you know the Willick family's been pretty big in the cycling world for a long time. Dylan's yeah, a lot of people sister, know Rachel. Rachel, uh, who graduated and moved on from Maybird, I believe, last season. Um, yeah, she wrote it with this last season. Last season, um, lots of you know them. Dylan, unfortunately, he, he fell a pretty significant distance and um, uh, suffered a complete spinal cord injury. So um, that's something we've all been trying to wrap our heads around this week. We wanted to acknowledge that before we dive in this week. If you know the Willick family and you're interested in following updates on Dylan's recovery, um, or if you want to find a way to help out the Willick family, there is a profile for them on caringbridge.org. Um, if you guys want the link to that, uh, we can put it in TeamSnap. Um, but yeah, I wanted, wanted to make people aware because that's been um, a, a hard thing for, for the cycling community around here to kind of come to terms with. Um, but yeah, we wanted to, um, you know, uh, Willick family is very much in our thoughts. Please keep them in your thoughts. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, if you want that, that link, we'll go ahead and put that in the, the TeamSnap for you all to, uh, uh, to take a look at. Um, in happier news... We had a couple of really awesome Nike races yesterday. You were in Manti, I believe, I was in for Manti. this one. You were in Manti. And there was another race in Price. Price, right. Um, both similar but really fun courses. Um, and, you know, I, these these weekends, they just wear me right out. But they're so much fun and so rewarding. Um, you know, and one, th one thought I just had is it's just so cool how at these races, like, you know, you've got your different teams, but people are friends across teams and hanging out with other teams and hang, you got kids hanging out in other teams tents. And, you know, when I was in high school, like, like, like the football teams after the football game would go to like a park and then go fight each other. Right. And this is just so different and just so awesome and so cool that like everyone there just kind of, you know, they're, they're competitors when they're out racing, but they're, they're buddies after and they, you know, what's the thing about bike racing is you're competing with people on your own team. Yeah. All the Skyline guys are competing with each other. You know, your, your like team's it's not, someone you train with, not really. You, yeah. You know, there's there, you, you compete you, against, you them happen to go to the same school and wear the same shirt. You know, it is funny. Cause I think one of the things that I love the most about this sport is how positive the culture is in the entire time I've been involved in this sport. And especially in Nike, I've only ever seen one physical confrontation there were a couple of douchebag idiots who got in a fight after states one year. And I just remember they looked like such losers. No one, like it was, it was a really lame and it was kind of just me. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm glad I'm not in a sport where this is like, the, the norm. like that was like a weird freak, just yeah. two total losers had. And it was like, it wasn't like people joined in or anything or got out. People were like, dude, that's, then that's just weird. You, and right. That's, I love yeah. that that is an aberration and that like, I can think of the one time that that's happened. So like, of course, and we, we say this a lot, like, 
if you win a race, that's so cool. And we'll shout you out on the podcast, but we really don't care. Like, just like be good people, be like sportsmen, like competitors, be, you know, like, you know, I don't want to like minimize, like we are here to win and do our best, but like, but we also want to be good people. Don't be a loser. Like if somebody like came across the finish line and got in a fight, like, that's not cool. Not at all. Yeah, like no one's no one's gonna high five you for that in this sport. So yeah, and you know what? I think Maybird's really at the forefront of the, the coolness and sportsmanship and trail etiquette and all that stuff. I'd, Honestly, I'd like to think just, we are. just being a cool person and not being a dick is going to make, oh, yeah. make your life better. It's gonna make people treat you better. And I've been advocating for putting like something along the lines of don't be a dick on our jerseys. Cause maybe you know, we should. Yeah. Yeah. Like Asos forever and all their jerseys had have a nice ride. Or it's going to be, don't be a dick, you know, yeah. or, or I think ride strong, be kind is maybe it's probably a little more positive. We yeah. could have both. <laughs> it's a big Jersey. That's true. Um, one more shout out. We're talking about jerseys and sponsors. I'm going to plug this again. Uh, this team runs on sponsorship. We do a lot of cool things. If you or your company, are so inclined, uh, let us know, and we would love to take your money and help kids with it. Uh, you'll get a spot on the jersey. Should we do like a, the first five people to pitch in for next year, get to choose where they are in the jersey or something like that, or is that a can of worms we don't want to open? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll... That's a can of worms we don't want to open. I'll trim that sure how unless that, I forget. But, but uh, yeah, if, if that's something you, you feel inclined to do, uh, we, we, you know, we definitely appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, we do appreciate that so much. And thanks to those who have continually helped to support this and and make this just such an awesome community thing that we can do together. Um, so kind of touch back a little bit on our last podcast. Um, had a lot of good feedback on it. I think people enjoyed listening to that. If you haven't listened to it, um, go back. We talked about just some some really pretty basic race tactics. Um, stuff that I kind of honestly just thought people knew, but I think they're good I I think it's intuitive if you've been doing it for a minute, but I think like if it's your first year or two, like bike racing is like, it kind of takes a second to have that beautiful mind moment where you see through the chaos and you can kind of pick up on the different tactical things. Cause your first few bike races just feel like, I don't even like you're in a tornado or something. Yeah. yeah, Like trying not to die. Staying upright. And you know, but once you can really kind of see through the mire and pick it out, it's really one of my favorite parts of bike racing. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it really is. It's kind of an elegant part of it to, you know, just to, to understand those things. But I had a lot of people come up to me and and say that, you know, that, that they had a really good experience employing some of those tactics in the races because I was at the Manti race and it was like, I mean, it's a really flat course. It was super windy. I I heard that at points, it was usually the winds were about 10 to 15 miles an hour. Um, they got up to like 30 miles an hour at some points. Um, they, you know, really a good day to employ some tactics. And, um, you know, like we had one kid that decided to shave his legs for the first time that race. Yep. And he, um, he ended up in a sprint finish in a really important race, like getting like a half a bike length ahead of second place. I'm kind of like, you know what? The shaved legs affected that. Yeah, shaved legs affected that. Come at me if you want to, but like the shaved legs were a a part of that. I'm not going to say he wouldn't have won without them, but... It might have taken more effort. Yep. Well, it would have taken more effort, Or if you run that simulation 10 times, he might have, you know you know, one one more time. Like, it it, it matters. And you know, if if you're a guy listening to this, like, I've been shaving my legs continually since I was in the 10th grade 
so we're going on a decade here pretty soon. Like you get used to it. You, not only do you get used to it, it bugs me to have like even slightly hairy legs anymore. So if, if it's your first time, take the plunge, ask your mom or sister to walk you through it. Don't do what I did and just go grab a razor and just go at it dry. That's not fun. Um, do it the right way. You know, I, I go through a lot of Harry's razors and a lot of shaving cream, but it's worth it, man. You know, makes your legs look better too. I got to throw that out. Yeah. Like, but we, um, we had a lot of riders just using really, really good tactics. Like, um, we had two varsity girls that just, just rode the whole thing together. They worked together the whole time. And, um, and I was just the whole time. I'm just wondering like, okay, are they going to bust out into a sprint at the end? And yeah. if they were guys, they would have. Right. But the two girls that like the girl that was leading slowed down and the girl no that was behind, on the same team. Yeah. They were both. Scared. Okay. Okay. They were, and, and they, they reached out their hands and held up their hands and rode through the finish line together. Yeah. That, 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 that doesn't happen in boys racing. Yeah, if boys racing, it would it would like oh, it would yeah. become vicious and brutal right then. Oh but yeah, they both just had the most fun ride ever. Um, a lot of the kids that weren't able to really ride in a group um, just said it was brutal. But those who could ride in a group and could kind of use group tactics it's still brutal, but you're going a lot faster. But they had more fun too, you know. Like it was yeah, yes. Um, it's more so, yeah. motivating. Doing a solo time trial on a windy flat course is is a bad time. Yeah, that's not even if you're winning, that's not a good time. Yeah. So so I just saw I saw a lot of really good tactics out there and it was kind of fun to see. And sweet, you know, I think that's a, a skill that you'll refine and and get better at as you get become a more experienced racer. I want to throw out for anyone listening to this. I think it'd be really interesting if you have an experience through the rest of the race season or if you've had one where really bad tactics kind of kind of hurt you send it our way like if you want to volunteer that i think it'd be really interesting that's, to kind of explore like if anybody all has some, i have is well yeah you know well i don't know dan and i i feel so i feel like i haven't been fast enough for a few years where tactics have really done a whole lot for me um but yeah if, if anybody has any particular tactical uh, mishaps and they want us to dissect them on the on the podcast you'll you'll get it you'll get in for sure if someone sends those our way yeah so at this last race like at 11 o'clock at night i get a text from bo foreman saying that their neutral support the bike shop that was supposed to do neutral support at that race they canceled like last minute oh really and i, I find out this about like at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and and that's not great yeah and i'm kind of like uh well, I'm not the world's greatest mechanic, but, but okay. I guess I can. You're you know, better than no one, right? Yeah, I was better than no one. That was my qualifications. And, and luckily I had like my, uh, my big park toolkit and everything. And I had most of what I needed. And, and so I got to be like, and they, they put the, the neutral support like right by the finish. And I actually had like a really good view, view of the race from there, you know? And, and the thing is, is I've never really watched an entire Nike race. Like there's always some races I've never seen before, you know, I, right. you know, and so it was, it was interesting kind of watching the entire race. Cause I, I didn't leave that spot like all day. Like people really? from other teams were bringing me lunch and bringing no me stuff to eat and bringing me and people would come visit me and say hi, but I kind of felt well, like you're a, a neutral service purgatory. Yeah. I felt like I was kind of a, in timeout or something the yeah. whole time. Cause you know, if I left, someone could come with a knee. And yeah. um, anyhow, it was, it was it was super fun. But I I did make some interesting observations as the race went on. That I th- really, where was this neutral support? Like where on the course? It's this? right by the finish. Like so right after like the big, finish. Part of the big flat open. It's the big flat open okay. place. Like right after the finish. Right before the feed zone. Um, right by like the where the the finishers, 
the finishing corral or whatever you call it. Um, so it's actually a really good place to watch the race from. It's kind of like box seats or something, you know, but, wow, that's awesome. um, you know, but I did, I did make some observations that I thought might be interesting to kind of talk about, you okay. know, cause like, cause like, first of all, I was like working on the bikes, you know, and I didn't really have to work on very many varsity riders bikes. Like, yeah, that's not a coincidence. I, like, you know, yeah, so. and I'm gonna say it's not because they're on nicer bikes. If that was your first thought, is that because is that's because the bikes are more expensive? That's not why. Mm-hmm. That is not the reason. You know, but I mean, I I did work on a few on a few Skyline bikes, and you know, they all they were all like light, full suspensions with you know with fast tires. You know, that was, yep. and um, didn't have a whole lot of mechanicals during the varsity race. We had like. I, I fixed like a flat tire or two, you know, as the races went on, I was dealing with more and more bikes and more and more mechanicals and stuff. But like the varsity racers, almost all of them were riding at least in pairs or in groups or um, like very few were out there. Not, riding. not a whole lot of lone wolves and, out there. And those that were, were wishing they weren't like right. they, they were like, yeah. they probably were trying to catch a group or, you yeah. know, or had just been dropped from one or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so so that was that was interesting. It, it's kind of the races went on, and we got more into the JV D and E groups. It was interesting because, like, when the when the JV D and E groups came through, I didn't see one person drafting at all. Yeah, and and honestly, that was the point of the day when it was probably the windiest too. Yep. And I noticed that, like, um, that like the kits, like, most of those kits were like. Probably looking, looking like t-shirts two or three sizes too too big and yep. in fact there's one team out there and i don't think they have any really fast riders that i'm aware of but they all the whole team was wearing baggies and and baggy jerseys and stuff and I like peace and love if that's your vibe that's great man but if you like if you're interested in winning races that's not that's not yeah. the move it's it's not helping you no it really yeah, definitely win those, a race in baggies and stuff but it's you don't see it happen. it doesn't help often. you you just yeah, yeah. But these jerseys were just flapping in the wind. I'm like, you guys know that's how sailboats are powered, like by yeah. by something flapping in the wind, you know. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, but it was it was just kind of interesting. And I I think I I just thought it was interesting that like a lot of these varsity kids, you know, they knew to have the aerodynamic clothing. They knew to have they knew to work in in work as groups and you know and be be aero and. You know, and, and a lot of these, the, the later races, you know, like it just made me realize how powerful like knowledge can be. Cause I, I saw a lot of these writers like in the JV D and E, I'm like, you know what, this kid looks like a strong fit kid. And if he would pull over and let me raise his seat an inch, yep. you know, I think I could give him 20 more Watts, Yeah, you know? And, and so you know, like, like a lot of the bikes I worked on in those later groups, like I kind of strained to lift them on the mechanics stand because they were nice, gorgeous, heavy, fast or not fast bikes They're but they weren't cheap bikes. Yeah, they just, they were expensive. They were expensive trail bikes, trail bikes, you yeah. know, with really, really knobby motorcycle tires and stuff. I'm like, hmm. you know, that's probably really good in some places, but on a flat Nike course, not. Can not, I throw something out there really quick on the kit front too? Um, if, if you picture the, 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 the girl who wins varsity and some girl racing JVE, and again, like they might have different goals. If you just want to show up and up, that's totally fine. But we're speaking, you know, if you're really, because if you're listening to this, you're training hard, you want to get the most out of your performance and everything. If you were to walk into your math class 
wearing what the girl who won varsity is wearing versus baggies and a t-shirt. The varsity winner is going to get more weird looks in your math class at a bike race at a cross country race. It's, it's not fine. a weird look. Yeah. It, you know what? It looks good. Like people who are experiencing be like that kit fits nicely. Your bike fit looks good. Your bike is clean. Your bike's not making a crazy racket. Like, you know, like if, 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 and you know, like I, I'm very conscious of the fact that this is a team full of teenagers. If you feel weird in Lycra, that's fine. <laughs> like anytime I go into the Sev on a ride to pick up a Snickers and I click around, like you I should get weird feel looks. Weird. It's a little weird. It, it, you know, at a, at a stoplight when another guy sees you on the road bike or something, or if you're at a race, people see you, like it, I promise people whose opinions matter think that Lycra looks good and shaved legs look good. I, I'll leave it at that. It's, it's, and you again, like we don't want to make it sound like everybody needs to show up looking like an Olympian. Um, but like, if you care about where you finish in the race and you're invested in your performance and it, it's fine if you're not, but if you are invested in your performance, don't wear baggies. Yeah. A lot. Of, and, and that was kind of the conclusion I came to is first is just like, I think a lot of these kids just didn't know any better, you know, like that, like, yeah. you know, they just don't realize how important some of the things are. And, and, um, and that's why I think it's good that like, you know, those that are crazy enough to listen to this podcast, you know, are obviously interested in educating themselves more about cycling because like this knowledge, I mean, knowledge can be power. And I know that's kind of cliche, but, um, but like these little things like your tire. Oh, that was one funny thing too, is every kid I would pump up their tires in, in those, you know, the JV DNA yeah. races wanted 30 pounds in them. Yep. I'm like, Hmm, you don't look like you weigh 40 pounds or are about to do a downhill world cup to me, but you know, like 400 pounds, I should 400, say, you know, yeah, I was say. 40 pounds, you know, you don't look like an infant, you know, infants so, weigh less than 40 pounds. So huh? yeah. So just like, like all these little things that we're learning about really kind of add up and make a difference when they're yeah. combined, you know, like if, if, if any one thing is off, that's one thing. But I think for a lot of these people, I'm like, you have so much free speed just waiting there like yeah. right in front of you yeah no marginal gains become maximal gains yeah. if you put a few of them together you know, yeah so like like who who won the the varsity uh girls race kareen uh, kareen higgins right uh th that was a dumb question i should have assumed that um kareen higgins to go faster she has to dig i think kareen she has to think pretty hard find you know sure her, her sword is pretty polished i think a lot of these kids it's like there are free watts that even like cost free watts just right of like raise mm -hmm. your seat maybe lower your seat you know like think about the way your bike fits go hose your bike off you know well, like and that's the thing i don't think these kids are in those other divisions because they don't they i think if they if they did the right things they could be in oh yeah you know i, I don't think it's that yeah i don't think it's genetics that's yeah you know holding. so like like be be a little ocd i think is like not you don't want to go overboard but like Think about it. If you're going to drive out to Manti, Utah to race bikes, you may as well do well. You or know? as good as you can. Yeah, right? You know? it, yeah. So I think I think we're, 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 we're kicking yeah. a dead horse here. But you guys get it, right? Like, get a jersey that fits. I, I miss when Maybird was small enough that we could help people do the jersey sizing and stuff. Because, like, how often did you tell someone to go a size up, Dan? No, I'm like, I'm like, if you can get it on, it fits. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, you know, like I, I'd always be like, people would be like, Oh man, you know these jerseys are all way too. I'm like, no, the jersey you're wearing is at least a size too big. Yeah, you know. So yeah. Anyway. So anyhow. Anyhow. Um, good. Yeah. Tactics. It was good. It was good seeing people use them, and and I think that um, yeah. Yeah. Learned a learned a little bit from watching that. So, um, the next thing I just wanted to touch on real quick before we get into like news and stuff is, 
Uh, I know a lot of groups, a lot of us have like three weeks until state champs. Big which old is, like break, which is tricky. It's a little, it, I think it's good. I it's like good, it. It's good, but yeah. it can be tricky. Yeah. Um, some of our groups are going to race next weekend, so they'll only have two weeks. Um, but yeah, this three-week window, I think, uh, I, I just thought we might talk a little bit really quick. I mean, this isn't our deep dive or anything. I just wanted to maybe talk about things that we're doing between now and state. Um, but I would say probably the most, most important thing I would say is just stay consistent. Yeah. You know, just keep writing almost every day. You know, it doesn't have to be anything epic or crazy, but just, you're probably not overdoing it. Yeah. Just, yeah. just stay consistent. Try and ride like most days. You know, if you're riding four or five days a week, keep riding four or five days a week. Don't, Keep your eye on the ball. I know yeah. it's hard. When I, the reason I said it's hard because it is kind of hard to do a pretty consistent block of racing and then kind of have the big one be three weeks away. You know, and if you're like really race motivated, then like, you know, don't like take your eye off the ball. Yeah. Like I said. Yeah. Okay. So the next one would just be, you know, like listen to your body and make wise choices. You know, if you feel like after this last race, you might need a little extra rest, you know, take it. Um, if you're feeling good keep keep going you know but i mean i obviously rest after every race but like just listen to your body and if if you need rest um take it just that'd be the next thing um continue to polarize you know like make your easy rides easy and the hard workouts like they, they're gonna have to sting a little bit you know? don't be afraid to dig deep between races yeah. i know a lot of people i think are like really conservative they don't want to over like not the night before but you're fine but you, know, you, you can do you can get some work in but you know, if your endurance rides are truly at an endurance pace, you you can dig. You know, yeah. so that's. Um, I I think that I would like maybe this coming week. I'd maybe try to sneak in a couple good fun, longer rides. You know, get some good fun I epicish rides. Out, on, on this point, Andrew and I went and rode up Germania Pass and then into Mineral Basin and up to Hidden Peak and down Snowbird yesterday and saw like the most beautiful fall colors ever. Like make sure to enjoy that too. Like that's one of my regrets from my Nike experiences. I kind of missed out on a lot of really good fall riding because I was, you know, like things got busy or whatever, like make the time, get up and enjoy some really good high quality fall riding in park city or up in little cottonwood, like depending it, on where you're at. And that's kind of what I was really wanting to get at is like, no, did I, did I take the wind out no, of your sails? There? No, no, not really. You, I, I think that people think that, you know, Training has to be just like sterile, super, super sterile and structured to get yeah. faster. Riding your bike makes you faster. Yeah. I know. I know a lot of people getting paid to make people faster. Don't want you to think that. Ooh, shade. But yeah. Um, but yeah, riding just pretty much most kind of riding your bike is going to make you faster. Yeah. Going out on a fun fall ride will make you faster. Yeah. You know, you can do a fun, hard fall ride if that's what you need. Like, yeah, like but yeah, I, I would say invest the, if like, invest a little bit of extra gas money to drive to somewhere where there are pretty colors, you know, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's worth it. Yeah. It's Don't amazing. be afraid to have some just awesome fun rides with friends, you know, get yep. some groups together, go have fun. Yeah. Yep. Get, having fun on your bike is going to make you faster. hundred percent. Um, you know, one, one other thing too is, I would say do I'm, I'm just I know I talk about this a lot I'm just a huge fan of the epic or the endurance pre-rides yeah um, I would try to get to to uh, Cedar City I almost said St. George but try to get to Cedar City 
either this coming weekend or that probably next it'll be marked. I probably wouldn't worry too much about this weekend, but get out there, try to ride it for three, maybe four hours. You know, some of it do hard, most of it do easy. It's a day trip. I it's, should throw it's a, out. It is a day trip. It's a day trip. It's a long day, um, but it's a day trip. Yeah, you can drive. You don't have to like get a hotel. You you know. Yeah. Just drive out in the morning, ride for three hours, and then drive back. There's some really good pizza in Cedar City. The if, best pizza. The best. And I as so like I went to Italy on my honeymoon this summer. I had some pizza that was slightly better. Like I cannot overstate. It's a pizza cart. The pizza if you need cart. an incentive to get down to Cedar City, I have several times considered driving to Cedar City just to eat there. Um, Let, let's so, put, let's put this in perspective. So. Okay. Just so people can know that I have legit pizza taste. Okay. Like, I like the pie. It's okay. Yeah. Big Apple Pizza is probably my favorite. Around here. Around here. Yeah. Um, big uh, or uh, the the pizza cart is like if those two pizza places had a baby. It's it's way better. Like like the point That's, I was trying to illustrate. My thing is I'm like, there's better pizza out there. Maybe not. Definitely not in Utah. Yeah. So like I, it's crazy, crazy good pizza. Go check it out. Yeah. So do an endurance pre-ride and then yep. go get some pizza, get some pizza and then pizza let us know how it goes. And yeah. So yeah, do a little um, day trip and there. try the pepper jack pizza. That's my oh, favorite. Yeah. Oh so. yeah. Okay. Anyhow, um, so I would probably say the two my my two biggest points on that would be stay consistent, keep riding lots, but go out and have fun doing it. Like just yep. enjoy the, just how beautiful of a place we live in. Finish the season and with no regrets. Yeah, yeah. Just, just have fun out there. Seriously. It's just like, I think fall is kind of the payment time for all the hard training you have to endure through July and stuff. So yeah, you don't want to miss out on that. So yeah. It's soak, the best soak that in. It's the best. Uh, before we go into the deep dive, I do have some cycling world news uh, that's worth running over. The first one I have to throw out my, professional hero Peter Sagan did his last road race um, he is moving on from his road career he will be supposedly moving into the mountain bike space oh good seeing him at mountain bike world cups I'm sure a lot of gravel more, events more midweeks can't oh, hopefully if yeah if, if like I if you're not aware Peter Sagan in his preparation for the 2016 Olympics was training in Utah uh, we got to race him in a midweek it was one of the coolest experiences ever he's if you got into cycling the past few years, Peter Sagan might not be that big a deal to you, um, but he was the coolest, the yeah. biggest cyclist in the world for most of my cycling career. And the past few years, he's you know as a lot of riders do, they kind of have their peak years, and then they have some sort of, sort of years where they're collecting a paycheck. Candidly, you know, um, he he hasn't won much in the past years, but he was a a triple world champion. He won 2015, 2016, and 2017 consecutively. So when the whole time I was coming up in cycling, Peter Sagan was the world champion. And he's like a hilarious guy too. He's one of those charismatic, so, so cool. Yeah. Like um, my favorite is there's like this video clip of him doing an interview with someone and he's like on one of those chairs that you can flip the button underneath and raise and lower it. It was like a Eurosport interview after one of the spring classics. And he's like not paying attention to the interview. And he's just like going like up and down on his seat, raising like, and lowering his chair. It's so funny. he's an incredibly funny, really. Yeah. Absolute hero of mine. He's not like going away. You know, I mean, there's still a lot of money for him to make being an ambassador for specialized being in mountain bike world cups and stuff. Um, and you uh, can, he, he trains in Utah a lot. You'll see him. You really will. Like you'll, you'll see him around. Um, I don't know. He, he's been in total energies kit for the past couple of year, for the past year. 
I don't know what he'll be wearing moving forward. Probably just specialized stuff, but big old guy, super strong. Uh, uh, Maybe he wants to be a Maybird coach. You know what? Actually, that would be because we've had Alex Grant, man. I mean, that's the next logical step, right? Um, but yeah, so I, I wanted to, to toast a, an amazing, amazing career on the road from Peter Sagan. I also wanted to throw out um, a lot of road news this week. I, I do want to run over the two most dominant teams in road cycling uh, are merging. Um, team Yumbo Visma and Quick Step will be merging into one team next year. Both of them are kind of losing sponsors. Um, Quick Step sort of been in financial trouble here in their past few years. Um, there's a crazy story involving Yumbo, the Dutch supermarket chain that sponsors Yumbo Visma. Like their CEO is going to prison for embezzlement or something crazy. And like oh. they kind of said they're done with cycling sponsorship. So they will be, to my understanding, they will be one super team. And this will be your little quiz for the week, Dan, under which title sponsor, supposedly. None of this is officially confirmed, but it's going to be Quick Yumbo. Quick Yumbo. No, there is a new sponsor stepping in. Okay. Um, non non bike world sponsor. Oh, um, I'm gonna say Tesla. No, that's actually a decent guess. It is a bigger company than that. Oh, bigger than Tesla. Yes. Wow. Um, Kellogg's. Kellogg's. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> that'd actually be really funny. Kellogg Factory Racing. Amazon. Oh, okay. Amazon could... will be providing a ten million dollar sponsorship. Um, I, I and again, this is all hearsay for now, but it sounds pretty solid. Um, so yeah, there will be an Amazon team that will take the completely dominant, you know, Yumbo squad of the, you know, who won all three Grand Tours this year. They'll be getting Cust, they'll be getting Vingigo, they'll be getting Christoph Laporte and Wout Van Aert, um, as, as well as like heavy hitters like Dylan Van Barlow and stuff like that, plus the Quick Step um, mob of guys, which is going to be, it's kind of bad news for cycling because it's going to be a really dominant team maybe to the point that like yeah. it won't serve sportsmanship well and when um, they show up to the races in a rocket that's gonna yeah i was gonna say in a giant well anyway <laughs> everyone knows the meme i was going for there i said sportsmanship i should i take it not sportsmanship but like like dominance isn't always in the interest of like it's not always interesting i guess i will say they're losing primos roglic he will be leaving yumbo for another team it's rumored Ineos is going to mm. pick him up and try to have grand tour wins again um, but yeah, so interesting movement over uh, there on the roadside. I did want to throw out one really cool thing um, uh, from Cycling World News is our very own local Hannah Otto won the Marathon World Cup. I saw that. Um, That's so cool. Uh, a couple, it was a little over a week ago, I think. We have to shout. It must have been less than a week ago, though, because I would have shouted out on the last one. She, That's crazy. Super cool. I mean, she's a rider. She's probably the professional rider I see the most just training around here. Um, huge congratulations to her. That's fantastic. Um, I also wanted to throw out, we had the Snowshoe World Cup today. Uh, Jordan Saru out-sprinted Nino, which is always an upset. That's super impressive on his, uh, on his part. Um, Pidcock came fifth, uh, did a, I, what I think was kind of an ill-advised wheel change to switch to a mud tire um, that I think probably cost him more than it helped him. Uh, and then on the women's side, Laura Steger, um, the next big thing in women's professional uh, mountain bike racing took the win. Um, but yeah, I, I would shout that because it's cool that we have an American World Cup because we really didn't for a few years. Mm -hmm. We had the Wyndham one, I think, in 2014, and then we kind of didn't have anything. Um, so yeah, really glad that we had that out in Snowshoe. Really interesting racing to watch there. Um, and then I believe is Monsena next, I think, or Canada. You're asking the wrong. I don't know. Way. I haven't. I've, I feel so bad. I was so good about following the World Cup early in the season, but things have been crazy. So, 
Um, I I think that's all the I think that's all the cycling world news. I'm probably forgetting something huge, but if if I am, I don't know. Do we care about European Road Championships? Probably not. Um, Christophe Laporte won the men's uh, a known well not a known as a, a surprise upset winner I'd never heard of won the women's race. Good for them. Good job. Moving on. Because um, I do want to give you some time for this deep dive, because um, I, I love the clickbait potential for the title here, which I think is going to be what happens when you stop training is kind of a, a vague, threatening sort of concept. I think I think I'll get people to click on, but um, sort of an interesting one. Is this is this like a cautionary thing or is this how, how, do well, you, how are we approaching so, this? So what I'm doing is like. I mean, ultimately, I want to talk about, I want people to start thinking about their winter training. It's the next big chapter in the year, right? Yeah. And, and I'm last, so last season about this time, we did a big episode on winter training and I went back and listened to it, um, thinking we'd sound like idiots and it actually was kind of better than I thought. Like I thought we did a, we benefit from low expectations, I think, but you know, yeah. Um, I thought we did a pretty good job and I think that might even be worth going back and listening to. Like hopefully people do actually go back and listen to episodes. I'm trying to name them things that make it easier because I, I, I went through a really snarky, sarcastic title phase there for a second and in doing so kind of made a lot of these episodes unreferenceable because we don't even know which ones Yeah, we were. don't even know what it's about. But, um, at least, but yeah, somewhere back there. At least you got a chuckle when you were... Hopefully, creating. yeah, that for my benefit. But um, yeah, yeah, so... So I want to talk about winter training, but I want to kind of do it in two parts. And today I kind of want to just establish the importance of winter training. And then next week we'll talk about kind of more how to do it. Um, and can I, can I throw it really quick? Cause I love talking about this. I think winter training is the first big thing that separates successful people from uh, ordinary people in NICA. I think that's the that's the first big one is like is this a part-time pursuit where you're doing this for some of the year or is it like the year-round and again not necessarily riding year-round but like training with this in mind year-round I think is the first big separation between I mean you know what I'm saying right oh yeah I would almost say I mean this might this might sound kind of bold but I think it's probably the most important thing you can do if you want to be top level yeah and 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 again not necessarily riding all the way around no, the calendar. no 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 not definitely not but just being, to be clear improve, like, improving your aerobic athleticism yeah year round and, yeah and other things as well like you know but basically intentionally improving yourself as an athlete year round is probably it's got to be, if not the most important, one of the most important things you can do to be top level. It's very rare. Like you I know? know very few people who like completely abandon aerobic training in the winter and are good cyclists the rest of the year. I have a couple. Yeah, I was going to say, unless you're like unusually gifted, yeah. this is probably the most important thing you can do. Now, you always know the, the dude that just like hangs up his bike, skis all winter yeah. and is still fast. You know, but yeah. I would say those people are kind of the exceptions. Yeah, and those say. people would be better. They'd be exactly. They'd yeah. be even better. They'd you know? be even better. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, and like for me personally, like I kind of feel like, you know, I always joke that I have to work really, really hard to be mediocre. You know, and I, for me, it's just essential to that that I keep my athleticism going all season long because. 
like I've had to work so hard for what little ability I have and you know I just don't want to lose it you know and and I kind of feel like I kind of feel like most people are more like me you know where it's just something that you've got to do to be able to like to, make to, a dent to, I mean yeah and you know like and I think for a lot of adults listening to this too like the, and, and again we're always very sensitive to this for kids but like I'm I'm pushing to, I'll be 25 before next riding season starts like you gain weight over the winter you know like you, things can get away from you really easily for a lot of, and I know a lot of coaches listening to this you're like yeah it kind of sucks you end up you know winter's busy you've got all sorts of stuff going on in your life but practically living here in Utah, you just can't go on a three hour ride every day in January. You know, like there are people who do it, but there's Zach Calton and Keegan Swenson and they're freaks and they're full time professionals. So yeah. but they've got two thousand dollars worth of winter gear to do it. in. Exactly. Right. For most of us, it's like, you know, and I'm sure you'll get into this in just a second. Like it's a really challenging time of year. You know, and I don't again, like the emphasis will not be on, you know, why teenagers need to worry about, you know, keeping their weight down in the winter. But like. For, for them, you know, like you, you can tell when you show up to that first race in, in March, you know, Red Rock or something like that, or the California race is like, who's been staying on top of it in the winter and who's kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a bummer. I think a lot of kids get in this cycle of working really hard, but then letting the winter go and just, they kind of, you, you, they never get you better. Al- you, you almost start over you keep every season. Working. It's yeah. like Sisyphus for whoever pushing the rock up the hill. You know, it's like you're never really getting any. You get up the hill a little bit, but then the rock falls back down, and you spend the whole season mm-hmm. catching up to where you just were. You know. Yeah. So. You know, and, and also, you know, if you're if you're kind of new to this and and you want to break through season, this is the way to do it. Yeah. You know, my first breakthrough season was the first season after I started winter training. It's it's not complicated. Yeah. Like if if you're a beginner, like this is the easy. Well, it's not easy, but it's the simple you know yeah. solution to have that breakthrough. You know, and as a disclaimer, I have, there are things you can do that cause winter training to backfire. There's, oh yeah. There's definitely wrong ways to do it. Yeah. And, and we'll talk, I think we're going to talk more about those next week, but, um, you know, there's, there's, there's good things and, and bad things to do during the winter, I would say, or. Yeah, I think you really kind of have to be really crazy though to met, like the people I know who I, I think I yeah. know, I'm like, those people had none of you listening to this probably have the self determination to, you know, <laughs> dig yourself into That's a true. hole in January. But, and I would say too, the, like the absolute worst thing you could do is nothing. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be too afraid of doing things wrong that, that you don't do anything, but, but yeah, like, you know, I mean, cause you definitely, you know, you have to do it right because you can't like be like at peak physical fitness throughout the winter, then no. peak physical th- fitness throughout the spring mm-hmm. and then peak physical fitness throughout the summer. Yeah, that means you have no peaks. Yeah. yeah like, that, that, yeah, something's yeah. going to fall off a cliff soon. If you, right. know, and you have to, you have to do things right and you have to kind of follow a lot of good training principles and, you know, but if it's done right, it's awesome. And it, it'll, it will put you on a new level. Like I can't think of anything else that would yeah. really, you can so. make yourself like twice as good. Yeah, it's 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 a real hack. But the one principle that you do have to understand, which is kind of a hard principle to understand, is that occasionally you need to take some big breaks so you can continue building fitness, you know? Yeah. And and so that's kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about is just just the end of season break. Now, 
a, a term that I'm probably just going to not even have in my vocabulary anymore is off season. Yeah. Because yeah, it's a useless term. It, what I, what I would consider the off season is really just an end of season break. And then you go into winter training, which is different than the training you're going to do when the snow melts. Right. You know, but, but you have an off season, which I just really want to call just kind of an end of season. Like, like non-serious bikers have off seasons, you know, where it's like, Oh, there's snow. I can't ride my bike. I'll go do something else. But like you guys don't everything that you're doing, whether it's on the bike or not is in service of, of getting better. We'll help you become a better cyclist. That's, that's comes in. That's the point. Yeah. And that comes in a whole lot of different forms, you know, from like running, hiking, schemo, whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's, it is kind of, it's all helping you become a better, better cyclist. It's definitely not an off season. No. So yeah, so the end of season break, um, you know, I really love the analogy we kind of introduced a little while ago about like training is basically like you've got this, this sponge and you've kind of got a faucet where you're, you're dripping water into the sponge and you're trying to, you're trying to do it at a rate that the sponge can absorb as much water as possible. You know, and if you turn on the, the faucet too fast, the, the sponge won't absorb it if you know sometimes you have to kind of slow the, the flow down a little bit give the sponge time to absorb it well occasionally and i would say maybe two probably two times during the year maybe three depending but, on what your calendar looks like yeah but probably two times during the year you kind of need to wring the sponge out just a little bit because some of that water in that sponge might get a little bit stale and you need to just squeeze a little bit of the water out a little more than you normally would um, so that ultimately you can absorb more water in that sponge. And that's kind of what the end of season break is. And one thing about the sponge too, is, you know, if you do things right year after year, your sponge gets bigger, you know, yeah. you know so your potential gets bigger year after year, but, but you really do kind of have to, and, and like, I think psychologically, most of the people listening to this are the personality type where resting is harder than working. Like this is the crowd that you don't have to motivate them to work hard, you have to motivate them to like let off the gas a little bit, you know, because I think a lot of people, the problem they have with this is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get slow. I'm going to fall off, you know, like it's, um, it's intuitive that if you just keep working hard all the time, you'll get better and better and better. But as much as like that would be a simple solution, it's just doesn't, that's it not how doesn't it, it doesn't work. work. Yeah, we know. As yeah. much as you think it's like your willpower could be the best. It's like, just, it just doesn't work. I've seen it know? happen. It works until it doesn't. Kind exactly. Of thing, you know, like, yeah. like, but yeah, so, um, so the end of season break and it, the end of season breaks different than just our normal recovery weeks because normal yeah. recovery weeks, they're actually pretty short. You're really, you're still training it's just kind of reduced a little bit so you can have a little bit of that fitness soak up into your sponge. Um, the end of season breaks, and there's also a mid-season break that we do too, but these breaks are a little bit bigger and you, you're, it's a big enough break that you're actually intentionally losing some fitness during these breaks, you know, and that's kind of a byproduct of the, the deep healing and recovery that you're gaining during these breaks, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I would say that like after your state championship, you know, obviously you're going to be tired after state championships. I would rest a couple of days and then, but at that point, your deliberate MTB training is done for a while. Yeah. Yeah. 
you can I'm going to say like as long as the leaves are pretty and the and it hasn't snowed yet and and it sounds fun. I think you can go out and ride easy and have fun at that point, but it's oh, yeah. not for training. It's no, it's strictly for fun. for fun. And that's yeah. the only reason you would do it is for fun. Yeah. Ride as much as feels good. If you ride 30 minutes and you're done, that's fine. If you feel up to a couple hours, fine, but whatever feels good. Yeah. You know? And just, yeah, just do it to enjoy the fall. Enjoy, you know, to, to be with friends, to have fun, but, but you're not training anymore. No, you're yeah. not looking at your segment times after on Strava. You better not catch you doing that. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Whatever's fun. And but before you actually begin your deliberate winter training, you need to take your end of season break. Yeah. Time off the bike. Off the bike. Unfortunately. Yeah. And um and that too goes for, you know, if you're going to be a runner during the winter, if you're going to be a schemo. do schemo, you need to take a, a, an end of season break before you From start other stuff. Yeah. Before you start deliberately you training a couple of boring weeks, unfortunately, any other type of sport. Now, now this end of season break, it can be as low as a week and up to four weeks, depending on what you need. Um, you know, if, if you're like, if you're kind of coming into this, if you just kind of overcooked yourself, maybe you overtrained a little bit and you just, really did some damage or you, maybe you have some type of a overuse injury or something you could go up to four weeks um if you you know if you like included regular rest and and did some like included regular rest throughout the season and, and had smart training principles employed throughout the season and you're still feeling pretty good you might only need a week and and the thing is too is like the more, the higher quality of rest you're taking, the shorter that period can be. Yeah, which is nice, you know, because like I think a lot of these people, it's like it's a real bummer to have a couple of weeks where you're not doing bike schema or whatever, like the things that you love. Like it's kind of an incentive to really take your rest seriously, so that you can, you know, like, you know, make your rest count, so you don't have to do more than you need to, right? Yeah. And what this week should probably look like week and I'd say a week and a half is probably for most of for most folks, people about yeah. right. I think a week's probably not enough, but you know what it should look like is like you can still, I, I would get a lot of sleep. I would eat a lot of healthy, good, nutritious food, obviously, but I mean, you can still go on like walks or easy, easy, flat, short hikes. Um, but nothing steep, nothing hard, nothing that would get you breathing hard. Um, you know, you could, I would do more kind of like stretching and foam rolling and, you know, cause a lot of people that are just used to having carved out time to train need something to fill that with. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and so I think like gentle walks and, and foam rolling and stretching and that kind of stuff yeah. could be a good like, substitute. Listen to an audio book and go to walk around the neighborhood kind of a thing. Yeah. Like don't, Nope. Don't bag a peak. That's not resting. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, don't, don't go run six miles. Don't, yeah. You know, uh, although for some people that might, as you say, there's a Larkin listening to this. Who's like, like you can run less than six miles. Is that possible? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So this, this occasional deep rest, I don't know exactly. I mean, obviously obviously it's, it's a time to heal kind of both mentally and physically. And it gives you like a little more time for maybe some, some lingering damage you've done to heal. Um, but the one thing I, I do know is that if you skip it, 
you're kind of asking for staleness at, at some point later in the season. It's almost like doing payday loans, you know, like it might, it might work that day, but it's just not a good long-term strategy, mm-hmm. you know, and people who do it don't succeed. It, like, I, I don't know. If yeah. it, I know we do use a lot of tortured metaphors here, but like no, it I might like... seem harmless to just keep going. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the personality type for a lot of folks that we're dealing with here that like the path of least resistance is to just keep plugging on with your virtuous cycle of working hard and training and everything. But it just like, I don't know, like Dan and I, we're obviously won't name names, but like we could, we probably have five of the same people we're thinking of great writers who've kind of done this or some version of this. Oh, or it's, me. The it's, winter. it's me every year. I, and you know what? I'm, I'm the worst at this and I don't, I'm always a stale writer. <laughs> me like, too. And I was like, Dan and I don't win a lot of races, you know, <laughs> like the irony of us doing this podcast should not be lost on you. But like Dan and I are bad at this and we're bad at riding bikes. <laughs> like it sucks, but you know, we don't. Yeah. So yeah, as much as it sucks, like read a book, do other things that normal people do, you know, go, go get, you know, get your parents to fly you somewhere pretty and hang it by the pool. I don't know, like whatever it looks like, just not hitting it really hard. Yeah. Can't do that forever. Yeah. A week and a half out of what? Yeah. 52 weeks. Well, but again, another good time to do this is also like, um, you know, during the middle of your season after an A race, you would do one of these and, yep. and, you know, so a couple times during the year, it's not. Not too hard to ask, you know, yeah. But should be able to do it. You know, the, the thing is, is you are going to sacrifice some fitness. Like you yep. are going to lose some fitness. But kind of along the payday lending thing, this is kind of like an investment. Yeah. You know, you're you're kind of investing some some fitness in to avoid later plateaus. Yeah. For for our, for our younger listeners, short term L, long term dub. I have no idea what you. I don't saying. either. I, you know, like just Gen Z, <laughs> you know, translator there. No, but it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, unless it's like if you race in cross, there are some people who would be in But like, why do you need great fitness in November for most of the people listening to this? Like, why does your FTP matter in November? I don't think so. If if you're a little slower, like, who cares? What do, you, what do you have going on? Yeah. That like, why do you need? Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. It'll come back. But I did say that, like, you know, that it's important that, like, this 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 break, this end of season break is between, like, one and four weeks. Beyond that is yeah. is bad. No one needs and, no one needs three months. In fact, let, so let's talk about detraining because detraining is kind of a scary subject, you know. Yeah. And I don't want to, like. I think this is good to know, and I don't want to talk about this and scare people away from taking their 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 end of season break because it is important, like I said, to, to wring some of that sponge out a little bit so you can absorb more later, you know. But um, it is impressive how fast we can detrain. Yeah, and so let's let's talk about that. Like, um, so when we train, we're making like we're going to group it into three different types of adaptations. We've got biochemical adaptations we've got physiological adaptations and then we've got anatomical adaptations okay and we lose we gain and lose these different adaptations at different rates so so first of all the the biochemical changes um, these are kind of like the catecholamines we've talked about we did a whole podcast on these about this time last year but those are like endorphins dopamines adrenaline and these we can digest quickly like you know we can gain these quickly we can digest them quickly and and these are kind of the reason we take rest days during the week you know to 
you know, so because you really can't be at a, like a constantly at a fight or flight state all the time. Yeah, know? that's not good for you. No, it's, that's not yeah. good. You can't you, shave years off your life. Yeah. So it's important to take like our weekly rest days and, and have easy days and polarized train so that we don't constantly have these chemicals. These, and the, these chemicals are great, you know, and they're very useful in racing because they kill pain. Um, a lot of times when you have a peak performance, it's because these catecholamines are running really high and it, it dulls some of the pain that you're experiencing from the effort. So, but we lose them and get them back really quickly, you know, so that kind of fitness you can lose in a, in a day or just a couple of days. Another, another interesting one is that our plasma volume can drop up to 10% in just three days. If you don't, if you don't train for three days, your plasma volume can drop up to 10% which is going to greatly affect your stroke volume and, and even affect your VO2 max. Save weight though, right? <laughs> You've got a hill climb event coming up, you know, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. I, for, for those of you who can't read tones, that was sarcasm, but <laughs> no, that's 10%, like three 10% days? 10% in no just way. three days. That's a big deal. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. Um, you know, you can get it back pretty quickly if you do, you know, when you do workouts that cause you to sweat and so forth and, and you know, you get it back quickly, but. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or you could take my plasma amplifier 3000 pills code Joe 10 for 10% oh, off the checkout. A drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, th- so those are our biochemical changes. They come and go quickly. Um, but you know, that's why you don't want to take a few days off before state champs. Yeah. Cause a lot of the, a lot of that type of fitness is like race winning fitness. Yeah. It's, it's the edge. Yeah. And it's the difference between third and first, you know, like is something you should think about. Yeah. So, so super important. Um, that's why we only, you know, we kind of reduce training when you're, when you're tapering, but you don't completely just sit on the couch leading up to your big race. Yeah. So, um, and then we've got the kind of the more physiological changes, um, muscle glycogen. This is an interesting one. After three weeks of not training, your muscle gly- glycogen improvements drop to baseline. Whoa! So what's baseline for like is like un, like the same? That's like th- that's like untrained. Untrained. Yeah. Wow! Really? Yeah, you can lose those those benefits, which are huge. I mean, oh, that's yeah. your fuel. To- that's like having an, an upgraded fuel tank. Yeah. Um, Dang, that's three weeks. Yeah, in three weeks, wow, that can go okay. back to your baseline, your untrained level. Um, <clears throat> your your mitochondrial enzyme function decreases rapidly when you stop training and that doesn't mean and, the th- and it's just the enzyme function it's kind of like the catalyst that causes your your mitochondria to to do the you're not like losing mitochondria density you, it's just the ability for it to to function decreases rapidly in just you know a few days to a few weeks wow. of, of okay. stopping training and and your VO2 max can lower up to 15% in just 30 days. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. Wow. And it takes twice, about twice as long to get that back. Wow. We should be like lying to people because we're trying to get people to take a break. And then we're like, so like tell the him scary not. bad things that are going to happen when you do. You know, and yeah. And so this is, this is scary. But the thing is, is everything that I've just mentioned there, like you can lose it in about a week. But you can get it back in two weeks. Yeah, if you're listening, it's like it's not permanent. Yeah, it's not. It's not gone. everything I just talked about. Like once you resume training again, you'll get that back in two weeks. You know, so I, I think this is good because, like, 
you know, if you take a vacation during the middle of the year and you're, you're off the bike for a week, it's going to take you a couple weeks to feel great again, but you'll be fine. You yeah. know, so this isn't the end of the world, Yeah. you know, but just know that like, if you decide to take a week off before state champs, yeah, that's not, that's not going to help you. Don't schedule your family vacation to Hawaii the week before a race you care about. Yeah. You know, and really quick, because the, the point where we keep hammering home is like, you just have to do this. It's just inevitable. You have to, it's like paying your taxes. It sucks, but it's just part of life that you, and like my question, I think a lot of people are wondering is like, why, what happens if you don't take the time off? Because you do you, all these things happen. Your VO2 max decreases, your, you know, your mitochondrial enzymes. Like what is actually, what is the, the, the mechanical reason that you just kind of have to take the time off? Well, my first thing I would say is like, it sounds like a big deal, but it's not. Okay. You'll, you'll get this back in two weeks. And I think the reason, because I, I know people that don't do this, they get stale and they plateau, guaranteed. Yeah. I, I've just seen it so many times. And I, I really don't know exactly why, other than occasionally you just need time for some deeper healing that your your normal rest weeks don't offer you. You know, and that's why I think too with this, you know, why I've said between one and four weeks of an of an an off season break or an end of season break, it just depends on how much damage you've you've done and how much you've kind of overcooked yourself throughout the season. You know, so it, it can vary for different people, but it's really just, you know, you need some deeper healing and you need some you need a mental break too. So it'd almost be like like trying to just muscle through this. It'd almost be like a business approaching a bank and saying, "Hi, I want a loan. My plan to grow my business is I am never going to spend any money. I'm I'm gonna I'm never going to spend like like you like businesses and people. You have to go into debt. You have to do and you have to invest to like make to make money. You have to spend money, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same sort of like you could hang on to every single cent you ever make, but you're not going to make very many cents, right? Yeah. Is that sort of the same sort yeah. of concept? Yeah, like I say, you're gonna just you're sacrificing a little bit of fitness for a better season later on. Right. You know, it's really kind of a no brainer. And like I say, this fitness that we lost, it's important fitness and it's going to slow you down. And you're going to notice it. But when you resume training, you're going to get it back in a couple of weeks. So the, the third type oh, of, sorry, I, I jumped the gun. I forgot there's one more. What's the no, third, well, type? The third yeah. type are the anatomical changes. Growing and extra this arm is, or something. <laughs> Kind of. I mean, this is like like one is like the, the size of your left ventricle increases with training and, um, you know, your 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 muscle fiber distribution that we've talked about a lot, you know, where you become more slow twitch and less fast twitch like these types of changes are more permanent. And and these are these you don't really lose. These take years to lose. Yeah. And that's why, like, we get, like, some of these missionaries have come back and they're still super fast, yeah. like, after a few rides. I mean, know? it's going to take them a few months to sharpen the stick again. But like. Yeah. But, like, a lot of the, the, the adaptations that really, really matter, you don't lose. I mean, it takes years to It's lose like, congratulations, this. you have a really cool thing that you've gained that you'd have to try really hard to lose. Yeah, basically. it's going to take you years and years yeah. and years to lose. That's Which is super cool. Yeah, so that's super cool. So, so that's kind of the good news is that the stuff that, you know, the stuff that, yeah, there's some fitness you're going to lose in a couple weeks. You're going to get that back quick. The really, really good stuff you get to kind of hang on to. So, so yeah, detraining, it's, it's, it's worth it. You know, taking that. It's that, inevitable. Like yeah. you can't willpower your way through this. It's kind of like, I, I know we keep trying to make that point, but like 
it'll ca- I've I've seen people way more determined than whoever you are listening to this that thinks that, that burned out. It, it doesn't work. Yeah. It's a bad strategy. Don't try it. So a couple interesting things on detraining is the more well trained you are, the quicker you are to gain and lose fitness. Like okay. a really really well trained athlete takes a few days off, they lose a more noticeable amount of fitness than you know, a moderately trained person, but they're going to gain it back quicker than, but I they would. gain it back. Okay. Uh, another thing too, is like a moderately trained person. If they stop training, they're more likely to go back to baseline than a well-trained athlete, you know? So that just okay. kind of makes sense. Um, but really as, as far as this, as far as this detraining goes, it's really the right dose is really, really good medicine. Right. You know, if, but the thing is, if you start taking more than four weeks off, it starts tacking into some of your anatomical changes. Yeah. And so you really want, don't want to take more than, and I think for most people, two weeks is plenty. Yeah. I, Would you say err on the side of over or underdoing it? Because there's no perfect number you're going to know. I should take 17 days off. Like we're all, everyone's going to kind of have to guess. Would you say play it safe, take a little more time than you think you need? What do you think? Uh, that's a really good question. And um, I would say that that probably for most people listening to this, two weeks is more than enough. Okay. Like two if weeks you need is probably, more than two weeks, you are not if asking if you the think, question. Yeah. If you think you truly overtrained or something during the season you might, or, did, or have some injuries or so forth or then maybe more. But I think for most people, a week and a half to two weeks is... What percent of Mayberg riders need more than two weeks, if you had to guess? Five. Five. Okay. So it's it's a it's very yeah. few of you. Okay. Yeah. So so there's a difference. I just want to clarify. There's a difference between like recovery and, and like end of season break or detraining type recovery. Yeah. Like usually like the recovery weeks we have throughout the season, we purposely... I mean, they're not even really, it's like there's three or four days in a row where you kind of just take it easy and um, you're really not going to lose any fitness during those. And it's just to make it so you can absorb a little bit more fitness. Like the the end of season break, you're actually, you know, you're, us- you're usually only doing these like a couple times a year. They're usually after important events because they will, like after this break, you will be slower. Yeah. You know. Um, but they're, they're just designed so you get some, some deeper healing and they're, you know, a little more thorough. So, so that's really, you know, that's kind of all I wanted to talk at, say about detraining, you know, um, I just want to talk a little bit again, and we're going to talk about more kind of how to winter train next week. Um, I, I'm hoping this week we just kind of inspire people to plan on doing it. To yeah, plan on start thinking about it. Yeah, to start to plan on being active this winter. Um, it's really an opportunity to become a better athlete when most people are losing their fitness. Yep. And like what little ability I have, I honestly attribute to the training I do during the winter. Yep. You know, like my body wants to be not a cyclist. Yeah, <laughs> I heard that. Jeez, amen. Preach, brother. And I have to really, really work hard to be as mediocre as I am. Dan and I's bodies want to like hold up bridges and stuff, like <laughs> not ride bikes fast. It's not, you know, we're 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 dealing with some maybe good genetics for like football or something. 
We have good genetics for lame sports. How about that? It would be a t-shirt we could wear. But you know what? We're both okay. It's yeah. because we both are, you know, we both are, We're both going to live 10 years longer than we would have otherwise because our hearts are going to be in good shape because we ride bikes. So there you go. You know, and, and we'll talk, like I said, we're going to talk more about how to winter train, but it really is, <coughs> sorry, I, um, you know, where we live in Utah, no matter what happens when it snows, we're going to be doing things differently. Yep. You know, we, we, you can't really go out and ride your bike up shoreline or you shouldn't. Yeah. I've, I've known people who have tried and that doesn't work. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, the winter times, it's kind of forces us to have a little bit of a change in the way we do things. It's a chance to get some variety. But the cool thing is, is if you do the, if you choose the right activities, it, you know, come March, June, July, August, October, whatever, you know, these activities that you do during the winter will help you be a better cyclist. Yeah, there's then. a reason you keep getting your butt kicked by Schemo kids. Like, you know, but that's, <laughs> we don't want to spoil next week, but like, yeah. you know, yeah, we'll, we'll save that. Um, so I, I, I think that, um, that really it, it's just such an op- awesome opportunity to, you know, it's, it's really the way that you can kind of become that next level athlete is to just commit to, being aerobically athletic during the winter. And we're going to talk, I think next week, a little bit about, you know, the difference between anaerobic and aerobic yeah. activities. And, and we're going to piss some people off next week, but stay tuned. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and again, a caution, I, I have seen things backfire and we'll kind of talk about some of those pitfalls to avoid, but um, I'm, I'm just convinced that staying active during the winter could make a fairly average ordinary person be a somewhat top level Nike rider if you're willing to, to do it and commit to it. And the thing is, I think it's fun. Yeah. Like, I am like when I'm like working and I'm at work, e- even though I, I'm always like looking forward to my workout at the end of the day. You know, right. It's, it's something that like, I just feel better after I do it. Zwift I, isn't as good as a bike ride outside, but it's still good. You yeah, know, it's like pancakes without syrup. It's still you know, good. And like, know. like, like Joe and I, we do a lot of hiking during the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't cost a whole lot. We of do the poor people out in winter. Yeah, yeah we, we but, go walk up a hill and then walk back down. <laughs> but you know what? I I like I love look, it. I love it. I look forward to it. Yeah. You know, and it, I always feel better after I do it. And so yeah, and it makes you appreciate the heck out of the summer. It really does. Yeah. So, you know, I, th- I think it, it honestly makes it so like the writing we get to do during the fall, spring, summer, you just appreciate it more because yeah. you get a little bit of a break from it. So. I see my therapist every other week during the winter and monthly during the summer, but like, it's okay. You know, it, yeah. So, so yeah, we don't want to split. We got to save some for next week. Yeah, we do. We got to save right. some for next, but I, I've said this a, a bunch of times, you know, your goal during the winter is to do something every day that makes you a better athlete. Yep. Preach. And sometimes that's rest. So preach. All right. Do you climb off the ladder now. It's always hard. It's like, it's like you just stick the land. I don't think these. I ever really got up on a ladder. Yeah, I, was this say, time. Yeah, I don't, not, yeah. I don't think I ever like got in the motivational groove. This yeah. Time, but I kept tripping you up. It's my fault. So, but anyway, go ride your bikes in the fall, like ride pretty places, have fun, be safe. Don't get sick. Bundle Same. up. It's getting a little cold. Yeah. You know, like bring cover a jacket, your, cover your knees. And again, like I know we like harp on the don't zone two, 
Yeah. Mitochondria. Don't, don't be sharing water bottles right now. Don't get COVID. Don't get the flu. Getting sick right now sucks. That would not help. Wait until wait until after states to get sick if you if you must. Um, but then yeah. you can kind of multitask your end of season break. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Anyway, uh, we will talk to you guys next week one more time. If if you want uh, uh, any updates on Dylan Willick or ways to help his family, let us know. I, I think we'll just put that in the in the team snap anyway, and we will look forward to talking to everyone uh, next week. Okay, sounds good.